order in the court. It's time for Understanding the Law Radio. Well, hi, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Understanding the Law Radio. I'm your host, Peter Lamont, along with my co-host, Brendan. That's How right. are you, Brendan? I'm good. How are you? Good. So today we're going to be talking about a topic I think is super interesting. We're going yes. To be- Last episode we talked about sports, including hockey, which you said is the best sport. And now I'm going to counter that with what I think is the best sport, professional wrestling. I lied about the Knights thing in the last episode. I am a huge fan of professional wrestling. You know, you just took away my my thunder because I was going to start with, we are going to be wrestling with a very interesting topic. Oh, that would have been clever. But you took it away from me. You took took it away. You just have no patience. That's right. Power slammed your hopes and dreams into the ground. Yep. You're just just a high flyer. That's right. Leaping off the, the, the top rope to destroy my intro. That's right. No, but we are going to be talking about professional wrestling today and the law it's very interesting really interesting and as a matter of fact this discussion is going to have an impact on you as an employer or you as an employee this is going to be important for everybody so this is this is one you don't want to miss now are we going to be talking about the issue today where john cena was fired and banned from the arena but in the last minute he showed up at the arena anyway breaching his contract breaching that and saving the day, is that what we're going to be talking about, that legal issue? No, no, we're going to be skipping that one. We're going to okay. table that one, okay? Ooh. I'm still waiting for uh, Bray Wyatt to return from the nether realm, you know, because they've banished him yes, there. I wonder have. if that's some kind of breach of contract. Well, actually, it's worth, you know. They set him on fire, too. They did so, set him on know. fire, yeah. I'm, I'm not so sure that he was ever coming back from that. All right, well, but here's what we're going to talk about. So... We are going to focus on contracts and the Mm -hmm. WWE, and we're going to start off with this recent development, if you've been following it, um, about, well, it's not so recent, but it's it's about Biden and his attempts to limit or even ban non-compete clauses. It's, Mm -hmm. it's It's something that has been talked about for over a year now. Now, just just for those who don't know, could you explain what a non-compete clause yeah, is? Yeah, So look, I so, certainly know what it is. I just want you to explain. Of course, it. you do. I, I do. So, a non-compete <laughs> clause is when you sign a contract with generally an employer, right? Or if you're an mm-hmm. independent contractor, the person that's hiring you, and it's going to limit your ability to do work for a certain period of time. So, for example, let's say that you are a uh, a coach mm-hmm. okay. let's say you're a hockey coach right and you sign with a company and you're going to be their coach they make you sign a non-compete that says if you leave you can't work for a competing hockey school that's within a five mile radius from ours for a year that would be a non-compete they're also called Got restrictive it. covenants okay so it basically prevents you from doing something for a period of time Okay, and and you know about this when you go into it. So, for example, in the world of professional wrestling, uh, primarily, we'll talk about the WWE. I'm sure that the other wrestling outfits have something similar. But with the WWE, the uh, talent must sign a contract that includes a 90-day non-compete clause. Mm -hmm. So if a wrestler is... And, and you know, it's it's very... I just want to stop you there just for a second. To explain how this is something that, if you have followed professional wrestling, has been discussed at length. Because in case you don't know, WWE, World Wrestling Entertainment, that's been the leading 
you know, wrestling company for, for years, since before the 2000s, you know, so long. You, you know, when you were a kid, you watched the WWE. At that point, I it was called the, the WWF. WWF, and it wasn't the World Wildlife Federation. That's right. That's another that's topic, though. I think we've talked about that on yeah. the show before, where the WWF used to be World Wrestling Federation, mm-hmm. sued by the World Wildlife Federation, Foundation. those animals, and they made them <laughs> stop calling themselves WWF, and now it's WWE. The pandas came at them with chairs and barbed wire bats. That's right. But the point is, WWE has been you know, the leading company for years, and recently... They, I, I think it could be another episode on its own, honestly. WWE has done what many consider to be um, predatory oh, actions towards their employees. Um, yeah, that's... that's beyond, yeah. The, yeah. beyond the legal stuff, just the fact that so many of these talented wrestlers don't seem to be getting the attention they think they deserve on the show. Well, it's not just the attention... But the point is, WWE has been the leading company in terms of professional wrestling for s- decades. But especially recently, they've done things that many consider to be predatory actions toward their employees. You know, beyond some of the potential legal issues that have been discussed, you know, I know there's arguing about independent contractors, all kinds of stuff. But they just the fact that so many of these talented wrestlers don't seem to be getting the attention or or airtime they feel they deserve has led to so many to believe that there needs to be an alternative. And a few years back, a bunch of indie wrestlers decided, hey, we're going to do that. And some of the most popular wrestlers not signed to WWE put together this company, this new company called AEW with, um, you know, it's, it's huge. It's a big deal now. It's managed to really take off. And they've managed to get so many WWE superstars onto their show. And one of the biggest issues is that it's so appealing to go there because there you'll get, you know, you could do pretty much, obviously not, but pretty much anything you want in terms of who you are as a person. You're not going to get stuffed in a chicken suit and thrown out there and ridiculed in front of a large audience. And because of that, so many of the WWE superstars that are leaving immediately go straight there. And this has, you know, led to so much discussion about these non-compete clauses because, there have been WWE superstars who are fired in the height of the pandemic when work was tough and there's all kinds of issues, and then they can't do anything for 90 days. Yeah, well, that's the whole that's the whole point of it, right? So right. if you sign with the WWE, you're going to get uh, popularity and fame and notoriety, and and you know you've made it, you've made it to the big show because now you're going to be a professional wrestler, not on a small scale, because professional wrestling. It's kind of a misnomer. You you could be a professional and work for a local or regional outfit, mm-hmm. right? And uh, make, you know, $15,000 a year and still right. be a professional. So um, I think becoming a, a WWE level superstar is so appealing to these guys and girls that, that have you know, decided that they want to take this career path, that they're willing to sign this non-compete because they're the large, like you said, they're the largest, most well-known wrestling company in the world. Right. So what are you going to do? You're going to say, all right, I'm going to turn down 
a spot with the WWE because I have to sign a non-compete? Of course not. People sign non-competes every day, whether you're a nurse going to work for a hospital Mm -hmm. or you're a a paralegal going to work for a lawyer or a movie star. It doesn't make a difference, right? It's commonplace. And, you know, part of the problem is, you know, just for example, here's a guy. I followed him on Twitter. His name was um, Harland, right? And he's this big buff guy. He looks a bit like a younger Brock Lesnar. He had so much potential, you know. All kinds of WWE people had spoken about him, and he got signed to their developmental brand, NXT. He signed the no-complete clause. He got all that done with. And as you know, WWE, the company, decides, you know, what character you're going to be portraying on the show. And they decided that he was going to be completely shaved bald, put in a blue jumpsuit, and be a Michael Myers clone. Just like Michael Myers. Yeah, well. His real name is Parker Bordreau, but they called him Harland. And he came out dressed as Michael Myers, lasted for like two months, and then was, I think he was fired. And that's it. And now he's just got 90 days where he can't do any work. Well, so, so all right. So if you are arguing on the side of the wrestlers saying that a 90-day non-compete is, you know, it, it's tough because now I can't do anything for 90 days. At the very least, it should be a shorter a much shorter time period, at least in my opinion, just right. from my perspective. So let's take the side of the WWE itself, and and in particular with Biden's attempts at trying to limit these these non compete or eliminate them. Um, look at the WWE standpoint, which is that if there's no non compete, these performers released from a company can just go and take their their fame and notoriety Mm -hmm. and move it over to another promotion immediately. And all of the hard work and development that the WWE has done with this particular character. Now, obviously we're we're, a non-compete doesn't mean that you're giving away the rights to that character. So if you create the underwearer and that's your WWE persona, even if there's no non-compete, and you go to AEW the next day, Right, WWE still owns the underwearer. So it's not like you can take your WWE gimmick and completely rip it off for another company. Even if there's no non-compete clauses, you still have to be someone different. So in my opinion, that doesn't really hurt WWE at all. You know what I'm saying? You know what's interesting, though, and, and we're getting a little bit off topic, but Hulk mm-hmm. Hogan, for example. Hulk Hogan yeah. was... it's not his real name, it's Terry Bollea, right? So Hulk Hogan, when he was with the WWF, Hulk Hogan. Then he moves over to WCW and becomes Hollywood Hogan. Although he still called himself Hulk Hogan. Right. So I guess that that train was just speeding down the track so fast that nobody could contain it. It's like The Rock, right? Because The Rock is not... The Rock. No, he he he. Everybody knows him as Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah. So I guess some of these guys, their persona just becomes right unstoppable. John Cena, and even though his name is John Cena, <laughs> that doesn't work. It does. <laughs> even though his name is John Cena, he he's still kind of a character. Well, in yes, a way, right. Yes, like, that's what I'm saying. And you know, again, even more off topic at this point, but you know, the Ultimate Warrior. Um, I don't remember what his name was originally, but he changed his name to Warrior. 
in order to still allow himself to be called that because WWE owned the trademark. Yeah, and we talked about this because I talked to him back in 2008 or nine. We Mm -hmm. talked about this on an episode because I was working with his agent at the time over something, and we were talking about the idea of him writing a a children's book. Mm -hmm. And, And so I actually spoke with Warrior on the phone, and it was exactly as you would expect it to be exactly it was it was great it was one of my you know most fondest memories because i best phone calls ever one of my best phone calls. i I love the ultimate (laughs) warrior so but yeah you're right about that but anyway so getting back to the non-compete so wwe argues well if you take that away from us we have spent time developing you because arguably there are wrestlers that come to the wwe that are nobodies Right. Right. And WWE develops them into right. characters. Yeah. You know, maybe a character like Daniel Bryan, for example. Okay. He was, he was not as popular when he first started. No, surely not. I mean, they was, made him. He's popular in the independent scene, but right. mainstream audiences don't know who he is. Right. But WWE made him a household name. Right. Right. So arguably, they would want to protect all that work and not have him within a day or two go to a new promotion and then, you know, generate buzz for that other company with their hard work. So that's the whole point of the non-compete. So that's their argument. But getting back to your point, if you take the side of the performers, um, once these guys get released, they're, they're stuck. So Braun Strowman, for example, had tweeted after he got fired, how many more days do I have till I'm out of jail? And obviously he was referencing his, his non-compete. Um, right. And th- there's other wrestlers too. In, a funny story though. There's a, a wrestler, um, he, he's, I guess his WWE name was Alistair Black. That's right. You know him? Yes. He's currently known as Malachi Black. All right. So he was released from the WWE. He was able to appear on AEW after only 30 days. Right. Because the WWE forgot to update his contract yeah. when he moved from the developmental NXT to the the main roster. Right. So, um, you know, but it's 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 tough because you understand the company wanting to protect their brand, and then you can also see the performer's point of view because they need to work. Um, so it, it, it's interesting. Brock Lesnar had signed a non-compete, um, as a way to get a release from his contract when he left the WWE in 2004, mm-hmm. the WWE claimed that Lesnar was unable, unable to work for any other wrestling company or MMA promotion through 2010, which was the duration of his non-compete. They can decide he can't work for an MMA company. Well, you, if that you, seems unfair. But if you agree to that, now look, again, um, non-competes are looked at on a case-by-case basis. So there's no black-letter law when it comes to non-competes. A judge would look at this and they would apply a four-factor test to determine whether or not that non-compete was unfair. But arguably here, they they you know said, for whatever reason, because at the time, I think he was going to the UFC if I've got my dates right. And so that was the that was the deal. You know, sign the non-compete. Lesnar challenged the non-compete, though. 
And uh, at the same time, he was working with New Japan Pro Wrestling and the UFC. And so he is under this non-compete. Mm-hmm. He files a lawsuit. He says, like, like I was explaining, you know, this is oppressive. This isn't fair. This violates my rights. And ultimately, he and the WWE settled which resulted in him returning to the company in right. 2010. But, um, you know, that's that's the interesting component of these non-competes. It prevents wrestlers from immediately jumping ship, mm-hmm. protects WWE for a little while, but they can develop new talent or whatever they right. need to do to replace somebody. Um, the downside, obviously, is for the performer, but at the same time, Let's say that somebody who was very popular, who made a decent amount of money, can't work for 90 days, and you've got other promotions, wait, they're going to wait the 90 days. And he, this, this character, this guy or girl, is probably not out of money if they've become so popular. So I, I think right. the non-competes probably hurt the lesser-known wrestlers more than the big names. Absolutely, and I still think, I don't really think that the concept of non-competes is incredibly fair. I don't fully get... I don't get how it helps WWE so much that it's worth doing. Like, I just... I don't see how it's that helpful to anyone, honestly. And that's just my opinion, you know? Well, all right. So take, for example, let's say that you own... Um, I don't, Let's say you own a bakery, mm-hmm. okay? And you're on Main Street. Right. And you have a worker come in. And this person is like your right-hand guy or, right. or gal. And you teach them everything about baking, right? Right. And then they are doing a great job. Everything's great. You're relying on them. And then all of a sudden, one day, they decide to leave. And they open up their own bake shop directly across the street from yours. Right. And all the customers love this person. So now all the customers leave you and go across the street to this new bake shop. Sure, but in this specific case, I've got 120 bakers, all of whom are being taught by me and put in such a way where even if you don't like one baker, there's a bunch of others for you to like. That's my thought. And so even if one baker were to leave and go to the other bakery, it wouldn't really affect me so much unless a mass exodus of bakers left my bake shop. Well, yeah, but so, so, all right. So let's say that they all, there's no non-compete. And, and if I'm willing to get rid of 30 bakers on any given day on a, sh- a short notice, just bam, I've fired 30 of them because I don't feel like paying for them. That's then a lot who of bakers. Cares? That's, that's what WWE did. This is what, again, off topic, but uh, throughout the last couple of years, every once in a while, they'll just release like 20 people at a time and just tweet about it and say, we wish them well on their future endeavors. They usually don't know until the day it happens. It's it's honestly very kind of kind of messed up. Well, that's that's getting back to the point that you made earlier in the episode, which is that um, people argue that the WWE employees mm-hmm. are not always treated fairly. Right. I mean, didn't you tell me that the starting salary for a new wrestler is ridiculously low. That's for AEW. That's what we'll get into in a minute because there's a very trending story about wrestlers and their contracts. But just to to conclude this point, do you think it's likely that Biden will cause non-compete clauses to completely be eradicated? 
I think that you've got to look at other industries that are going to be impacted by it and whether or not those industries would appreciate um, removal of non-competes and and look at what lobbying power they might have and whether or not um, it would impact a political candidate's ability to uh, be reelected. I mm-hmm. think that that... It depends. I mean, you can look at this and you can say, yeah, you know, no non-competes for these small businesses. And I don't think it's going to have any impact on anybody, right? Because they're not going to impact, you know, Biden's re-election or or another politician's re-election. But if you say, hey, Amazon, we're going to, you know, do this and it's going to impact you and Walmart and Target. And Mm -hmm. well, then there might be a a differing opinion. So I I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where the non-competes go. I definitely have noticed a trend in the courts over the years where non-competes are really being whittled down to um, very, very small areas and timeframes. Right. So it, it, you know, it used to be you'd see a non-compete that had a two-year non-compete and you couldn't work in a 30-mile radius. Mm-hmm. Now it's more like one year and five miles. So Well, here's, here's an example here of these non-compete clauses just kind of being ridiculous in my opinion. This is a step of it that, in my opinion, is too far. So Jeff Hardy has signed with AEW, again, the competing company, that has received, you know, so much attention. He is signed, you know, this Sunday. He fought in a really good match, in my opinion. You know, he's there. But before he showed up, he left WWE. He And he announced, I am intending to sign with AEW after my 90-day compete, no-compete clause is up. And WWE felt that by, and AEW, I'm sorry, AEW also announced that they wanted to sign him. Both of them had said, you know, AEW had said, we would like to sign Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy had said, I will totally go to AEW. And WWE felt that by publicly announcing intentions to sign Hardy, AEW has violated the terms of the non-compete clause and thus are open to legal action for tampering with a performer's contract. Tortious interference. Mm -hmm. That's what it's called. Tortious interference with an existing contractual relationship. Well, Jeff Hardy would go on to amend his statement saying he is considering joining AEW. And Tony Khan, AEW owner, said it's not a foregone conclusion. Just a, just a, you know, he wants to. So they changed their statements very quickly. And, you know, it's, it's kind of ridiculous, though, because I think that's unnecessary. You know, yeah. Jeff Hardy can't wrestle for 90 days and he can't say what he wants to do next either. Like... Well, he can say what he wants to do, but I think the issue is that AEW said it because that's where the tortious interference would come into play. So, you know, I, I think that it's it's this ongoing issue with what the law is and what we think it should be, mm-hmm. right? Because it, it might sound unreasonable to a performer to be restricted for 90 days, but it might sound like a massive... Uh, risk if there isn't a non-compete for the company because the company needs to be protected. And, you know, as far as something like AEW, if AEW is saying we're going to sign Jeff Hardy, now there's all this buzz around Jeff Hardy. And does that make WWE somehow look bad? 
it, it, there's a lot that goes into consideration when you know you send out these threats about tortious interference um, stemming from a non-compete. If, if an employer knows, that would be like you know if if you owned a bakery, right, and you knew that Johan was uh, this master baker, you wanted to to bring Johan in, but you knew that Johan had. Uh, a non-compete in his contract with your competitor mm-hmm. and you reached out to Johan and said Johan come work for me you know I'll pay you more or I'll give you a new title or you'll be Johan the master baker and then he does I mean you've tortiously interfered with that contract even if Johan was unhappy where he was so there's legal issues that while it might seem like this isn't fair you still have to contend with the legal issues. Right. And there are many people that would say, you know what, I'm going to violate this non-compete knowingly and I'll deal with the consequences, the monetary damages that might stem from my actions because at the end of the day, uh, it, this is going to be a better scenario for me. So, you know, that's that's a possibility. Right. So let's get into this other topic, though, before we, we run too long about breach of contract because okay. it you know obviously we're talking about non-competes and if you violate a non-compete you're you're essentially breaching your contract but this one is very interesting so I'm going to let you explain the situation okay so this started a little while ago so in case you don't know just just for a tiny bit of context there there is the WWE has many different championship belts they've got the world championship they've got the universal championship they've got the intercontinental championship united states championship raw tag team smackdown tag team nxt it go the list goes on 24/7 24/7 which is the stupidest thing uh you know you know just again off topic but the 24/7 championship is a belt that they say can be def- defended at any point in time all that has to happen is you get pinned, very reminiscent of the original Hardcore Championship. And they post on YouTube little skits where all the superstars are on a plane and someone sneaks up on the 24-7 champion when he's sleeping and wins it and runs into the plane bathroom. It's so stupid. So stupid. But um, the women are in their own division. They don't fight the men, which I personally think is stupid. I think they should. That would mix things up. But I think that... Um, so the, so the women have their own championships. They've got the women's tag team, which this is where the issues stems from. WWE is incredibly bloated. They, all the professional wrestling companies, they've got so many championships, so many people, so many stories to cover. A lot of times it feels like specific individuals aren't being focused on enough. And this is very true with the women's champion, tag team championships. The current women's tag team championships, or I guess not anymore, but it was Sasha Banks, who is cousins with Snoop Dogg, if I'm right. She was in an episode of Star Wars, and Naomi. And those are the two champions. Um, And a little while ago, there was an issue where they were scheduled to fight on an episode of Monday Night Raw. And this is what happened. So, during that episode of Raw, they changed the main event suddenly to a completely different match, and they announced... On air, when Sasha Banks and Naomi arrived at the arena this afternoon, they were informed of their participation in the main event of tonight's Monday Night Raw. During the broadcast, they walked into WWE Head of Talent Relations, John Laurinaitis' office, with their suitcases in hand, placed their tag team championship belts on his desk, and walked out. 
They claimed they weren't being respected enough as tag team champions, and even though they had eight hours to rehearse and construct their match, they claimed they were uncomfortable in the ring with two of their opponents, even though they'd have matches with those individuals in the past with no consequence. Monday Night Raw is a scripted live TV show whose characters are expected to perform the requirements of their contract. We regret we were unable to deliver as advertised tonight's main event. So what happened? This is unheard of. WWE themselves... Are you telling me that this is scripted? I'm sorry. You ruined it for me. I'm sorry. Listen to me. If you didn't figure it out when The Undertaker magically escaped from his coffin, drowned Paul Bearer in cement, and then rose from the grave, I don't know what to tell you. So here's the issue. Sasha Banks and Naomi found out they would be part of the six-pack challenge, and for whatever reason, they were frustrated with the fact that you know they didn't think they were being respected enough. It's reported, and this is all up in the air. There's so many different rumors, but people close to Sasha Banks have said that they were booked to fight, which would eventually lead to both of them losing a match in the later date and not even defending their women's tag team belts. It was a whole issue, and they also felt like two of the competitors in the match were um, better off in a different match. It's not that they were uncomfortable with them. They felt that they were better off fighting each other in their own match. So it's a whole it's a whole mess. It's super hard to follow. But this, the long, long story short is that they were upset with the way WWE was saying this would go down. They took their belts, they put them on the desk, and they said, we're not doing this, and they left. Okay. People are—now, here's the issue. This is where it gets a little tricky. <laughs> People are championing them for doing this, saying that they stuck up for themselves and that if it was anyone else, WWE wouldn't have given them that much issue, that many issues. Okay. And I understand, to an extent, both sides of this argument. On the one hand, it you know, other women were in that match. Other people were scheduled and— just because these two decided they didn't want to go through with that plan, it technically did affect a number of other people on the roster. However, on the other hand, they weren't respected as tag team champions. They hadn't fought for the belts in over a month. And, you know, technically speaking, it's all the work is, you know, it's in the hands of the workers. If they don't feel like doing it, at some point, WWE is going to have to give in if they yeah, want her but, back. But see, I totally disagree with that because if you enter into a contract with mm -hmm. somebody and you decide that you don't like it, then you can't just say, right. you know what, I don't like what you're doing here and I'm done. I don't I don't want to do this. I, and then you quit. They, I think that if WWE wanted to pursue a cause of action for breach of contract, they would be well within their right. And I think that if you just eliminate enforceability of contracts, then what is this world going to be? Because then that means that if I order something from a company, get it, and then decide I'm not going to pay for it, it's okay. I can do that. I get it. And, you know, the issue with talking about this is that just on social media, people have made this an issue regarding so many topics, you know, gender, race, other things, WWE's, you know, the the pyramid of leadership in WWE and it's hard to talk about because I don't think I have the greatest ability to discuss that but purely at a contractual standpoint they were legally in the wrong not yeah, morally wrestlers. I'm right. not going to say anything about that look this is not about morality or ethics or 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 social issues this is plain and simple 
you entered into a contract and you didn't fulfill your terms of the contract, if you felt as though you were being taken advantage of, then your options are to sue the company mm-hmm. and say, you have violated the terms of your contract. The, the answer isn't to walk out because you're, you're bound to a contractual term. Mm-hmm. So it has nothing to do with whether or not, you know, the internet feels that uh, they were mistreated or mishandled or right. should have had a title shot or should have had a better match. The fact is, is that these performers agreed to terms with the WWE and arguably in exchange for their services and agreeing to perform as the WWE seems or deems fit in the storyline right. that they create, they're getting compensated for it. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, are- and again, a lot of the backlash on the internet is due to WWE's response to the issue by, you know, saying it on air and then tweeting about sure. it and making them known to be people who didn't follow the contract and kind of lambasting them. Well, sure. The and you know what? The WWE And I is, get that. I think right. it's, I think it's, it, it is a little much. I think that like by saying they didn't have to say anything, truthfully, they could have just like by saying, you know, oh, they didn't follow their contract. WWE is a scripted show. This isn't the first time that the main event has changed at the last minute. As a matter of fact, there are so many shows. Most shows, Vince McMahon is still pulling the strings and, and everybody's making crazy decisions last minute. And so it definitely seems like the reason they announced it on air was specifically to jab at them. Maybe. And people have provided evidence. Maybe the WWE was afraid of that sports lawsuit that we talked about last time where the spectator wanted to you sue the NBA. You think someone was going to be outraged that the main right. event changed? Yeah. Maybe. No, but you know what? The... the Look, I I don't necessarily agree with the way that the company handles things because right. I go back to when they had issues with the Ultimate Warrior and then created that horrible DVD mm-hmm. and and or when Kevin Nash and Scott Hall left in the early days of uh, WCW. If you don't remember that, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall called Diesel and Razor Ramon were super huge in the WWF, but when WCW showed up and became the more popular show, they left ship. They went to WCW, and WWF just lost two of their biggest stars. So they sent out two guys dressed as Diesel and Razor Ramon, who were completely different people, who looked so stupid. And on Raw, they said, look, there they are, Diesel and Razor Ramon, and made a fool out of the people, the the, the people dressed up as these fake guys, the um, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash themselves. It's It's a similar situation. You know what I'm saying? Well, they own the character rights. But that's the but at that point they're kind of making fun of them, you know? And like the Ultimate Warrior with you're saying where they released that DVD that just destroyed him publicly. Yeah. No, I know. I know. It's it's they they do have a record of taking people who left on bad terms and kind of embarrassing them, you know what I mean? Yeah, well I I I think that they Yes. And I, I remember when Stone Cold decided to do the Stone Cold Steve Austin did the same thing a while ago when he just decided, you know what, I'm leaving. And I believe they said something about him on air too. And, you know, people have people have discussed it on the internet and they have provided evidence that WWE's response is either, you know, specifically because of their race or gender. As I said, and, you know, I have nothing to say about that. I'm not going to side... I'm not going to say one way or another. I do think that their response to them has been kind of 
outrageous personally i think i the think it's above is, and beyond negatively you know it's a little I, bit over the top i think it's all money driven i don't think it really comes down to anything about anything other than money i think that the wwe is a corporation they get mad when somebody disses them or breaches their contract or does something that uh affects them or they deem to to to, to be an adverse effect and i, I don't think they care what religion, color, gender you are, I think it comes down to money. And so I think that if you hurt the WWE in their eyes, they're going to hurt you too. And that's not saying that it's wrong, right, or indifferent. That's, that's how they appear to operate. And it all comes from money. I think that the WWE would promote anybody if they thought that that character or persona could generate money for them it's a business that's that's really what it's focused around mm-hmm. you know when you think about these the, the the trends over the years you know they went from a a very hardcore audience then they tried to bring more interest to kids by by you know sort of stepping off of that aggressive outrageous nature and so it's it's money it's money and i think that um you know in some instances They might legally be in the right. I don't know that they always handle it the right way from a a public relations standpoint because I I personally don't agree with going after somebody and, and, you know, um, hurting their character. I I, I think that what they did to some of these people is wrong. And and just to add on to it, you know, another thing, for all we know, it could have, Vince McMahon could have said, I don't like them because they are not white. And that's why we're going to go crazy. Now, I doubt he did specifically that. I highly doubt that. I'm 99% sure that there's so much that went on behind the scenes that social media doesn't know about, that we don't know about. There's probably so much more to the story. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I don't think it's entirely you know, right to be debating it and for people to come up with these crazy conclusions. I don't know. I don't know exactly why they've done this to them. But what I do know is that they breached the contract. They said, we're not wrestling tonight. And for weeks, WWE, one after another, they removed their merch from the store. They took down their Facebook accounts. You know, I, and I think that to that extent, they've gone crazy with it. They've, they've put out many statements attacking them. They've said they're indefinitely suspended. And by the time they come back, I doubt they will reach that height of popularity they were at for a long time. Well, I, 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 I don't know how I feel as far as have they gone too far in protecting their brand? I mean, if you think about it as a business and somebody has breached the contract with you, why wouldn't you take down their See, merch? because, but I'd go as far as to argue that they have, they have more damaged their brand than if they didn't say anything. I think that what they did was, I think that what they did was specifically targeted at them. I don't even, I'm not sure it's entirely money. I think that there's definitely something more to it to the point where they want to leave a, a message you know send a message to them specifically attacking them because by saying hey we allowed two superstars to upheave our entire show because they didn't feel we were treating them right people who everybody will immediately side with it hurt their brand more than if they said nothing and just you know oh the match changed or oh on air like oh we got a new challenge you know anything could have been you know, we would have just brushed it off as, oh, a last-minute change, whatever. And even if the story had come out behind the scenes, WWE didn't have to say, this is what happened. 
because I don't think it defends them. You know, I don't think it defends them at all. I don't know if they did it just to get the first word out there because you know how these news sites spread like crazy gossip. I don't know. I am inclined to think that it was was intended to hurt them in a way, not to defend their brand, but to somehow hurt Sasha Banks and Naomi's because it didn't defend their brand, did it? Would you say that by, you know, revealing just how crazy this show was completely uprooted and how there's issues backstage, would you say that defends WWE, that protects them? That makes them look worse. It might. I mean, I'm sure that there's personal issues. I, I think I've read before that when Vince McMahon was younger, you know, it became a personal issue. I think maybe I read that with, uh, you know, with, with respect to the Ultimate Warrior um, issues. And, and I'm sure that that personal uh, stuff comes into play. You know, the it's a company, but it's owned by people, you know, and I think that... Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, it, it, I, I agree with you. I just, I don't know. I think it's crazy. You know, it, there's never been something like this to this extent before where, you know, there's a wrestling issue backstage and WWE took to social media and went crazy on them, especially when they are directly competing with a company that is up and coming and on the rise and really posing a threat as it's just absorbing all of their previous wrestlers. I doubt they'd want to put out there, hey, look at the issues we're having. And I, and I think this, this story can be directly compared to a second story we have. I know this is a bit of a long episode here, but a very similar issue has just happened with AEW. Do you want to hear about this? Sure. MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, is one of the most popular stars on AEW. He is consistently in the main event scene. His whole gimmick is that he is a, a nasty, awful heel Everyone hates him, and he carries that into real life as best he could. There's a famous clip of a family going up and doing a meet and greet with him and taking a photo, and an 8-year-old is looking at the camera, and MJF turns and gives the 8-year-old the middle finger while they take the picture. It's very funny, but he is committed to bringing his character into the real world. And, you know, he's very famous, very popular, and here's where the issue starts. MJF has publicly taken to Twitter his frustrations with AEW and the owner, Tony Khan. Uh, He's not happy with how they've been running things. He is unhappy with the money situation. And after months of, you know, talking about it openly and even saying, when my contract is expired, I'd most likely go to WWE, he no-showed a fan festival this weekend where he was going to have a meet-and-greet. He didn't show up. Fans were shocked. Uh, they they had to get refunded. I don't even know if they did, but no news on that end. Uh, a flight was apparently booked out for him. It was a whole issue, and what seems to have happened was a very similar situation where the tension between Tony Khan and MJF reached a, a pinnacle, and no pun intended, that's his team name, and he just decided, you know what, I'm out. And now the difference is he did end up following through with his match on Sunday that was scheduled to happen, after a, you know, a whole night of debating whether he was going to even show up or not, he came into the ring. It was a quick match. He was defeated very strongly, and then he was stretchered out. And he is going to be off television for an indefinite amount of time. It looks to be that uh, a very similar situation with Sasha Banks and Naomi. Um, apparently, he is upset with his contract because an AEW starting salary is from 40000 to 70000 a year, which is incredibly low especially for some of these guys, but um, apparently they upgrade the contract once they're sure you're a good fit for the company. 
So MJF is reportedly making in the lower $100,000 range, which is, you know, it doesn't There's sound There's nothing horrible. wrong with that. It's kind of like a probationary period. Why would you put all sure. kinds of effort into right. a wrestler Right, I completely understand that. You know, and there have been lots of wrestlers that go on, but then they just get fired because they're just not good fits. But MJF is making infinitely less than some of the top talent. So many of the legacy guys they have, like CM Punk, you know, they get so much more. Mark Henry, who doesn't wrestle, he's just a backstage presence, gets paid like six times more than MJF. Yeah, but then... then and he's just fed up with this. Yeah, but see, I, that's... That, to me, that is is not a good thing. It's not a good thing because... Now, what, what are you going to do? I'm, I'm upset, so now I'm going to breach this. I'm upset, so now I'm not going to do this. I'm upset. Be, that You signed the contract. If you don't like what you signed, do something about it legally. You know, mm-hmm. if you think that they've taken advantage of you and that that they didn't give you what you believe is, is right, then go sue them. Don't walk out. Don't, you know, I, I think it's wrong when you take a purely legal issue and this this goes for everything, including like the Johnny Depp trial. I think it's wrong when you take a legal issue and you turn it into a social justice issue and you get people, you know, to rally behind you. But we're destroying the the actual law. You know, contracts have been around for forever. And to say that we can eliminate a contractual obligation because we generate so much fan support around the fact that we're not getting treated the way that we think we should get treated or make as much money as we think we should. And then, you know, because people are so supportive of this particular wrestler, they start boycotting WWE and WWE is held hostage. I I think that the law is the law. And if you sign a contract and you don't like how things are going, you have legal rights. It, It doesn't mean you can just no show there's there's consequences for that it doesn't mean you can just walk out there's consequences for that now whether or not wwe would ever enforce those consequences i don't know you know i i would imagine that they don't want to be tied up in litigation forever they'd rather settle but i just i i don't think it's the right message to send that if i don't like what i've signed i can just walk out and just not do it because it's not fair that's that's not the right message Right, I get what you're saying. I think that the, the in terms of making it a social justice issue, I think it always is on a level. Like even if it is a purely legal issue, there is the element of social justice to it. And I think, you know, I I don't have anything to add in the social justice side of it. That's what I'm trying to say here. I have nothing to give personally, but in terms of purely legal, I think that both of them are in again legally wrong because they breached the contract. Now, MJF I'm willing to bet there's even more to that story we don't know. Why he didn't show up to the meet and greet is beyond me. But yeah, I mean, it's a very similar issue, but AEW didn't put out a statement. Right, well, that's... AEW that's... didn't go on to attack him and say, like, how dare you, MJF? It was a completely different situation to Sasha Banks. Someone who didn't follow the online rumor news would have never known. Right, and you know, that's just, you didn't like the way that the WWE handled it, and I understand that, and I think that, you know, that 
the way they handled it, that, that could turn people off. And you could look at other promotions and say, well, they didn't do that. Why did WWE? I don't know. I don't know why they do the things that they do. I don't know why, um, you know, they take the approach that they do. And I, I certainly don't agree with everything. But just thinking about this as a lawyer and just thinking about the legal issue with contracts, you know, I think you've got to hold contracts as sacred because if we start breaching contracts and nobody is held accountable for it, then what value does a contract have? None. And, and then what does that do to, to our society? You know, what about real estate contracts? What about car contracts? What about employment contracts? When does it stop? And, you know, I just, I, I enter into a contract. I don't like it. I'm going to leave. And, and, you know, you can't sue me because people would be mad if you sued me. So, I don't know. I, I think it's very interesting. I think that their WWE is is great fodder for uh, for our podcast because there's so many issues. Uh, I think this was look. This is a long episode, um, but I think it's important because we talked about both non competes, breaching of the contract. So hopefully, um, hopefully you stuck with us to the end of this one um, because I think that the topics are interesting, and I'd be interested to hear what our listeners have to say about you know whether or not they feel that um, these wrestlers who just did not show up just walked out should they be held accountable or or do you think what they did was right interesting so maybe we'll post that on social media as well and and, and get a poll mm. but that's going to do it for today's episode so i want to thank everybody for joining us and for sticking with us for this extended episode uh make sure that you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already that's going to do it for us. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Understanding the Law Radio. If you haven't done so already, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. We're available anywhere that you listen to your podcasts, including Amazon, Apple Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many more. Also, don't forget to check us out online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks again. See you next time.